You are Locked On Bulldogs Postcast, part of Locked On Atlanta on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, guys, to the Locked On Bulldogs Postcast, your home for the best dogs talk. It's local insight. You can't get anywhere else but right here at Locked On. I'm your host, Denitra Batiste, and alongside me is Jarvis Davis. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150. If your team wins, visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. The Bulldogs postcast is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jarvis, Alabama was throwing haymakers at Georgia all day in this SEC championship. And the last team to beat Georgia exactly 728 days ago, beat them again. We'll go between the hedges, the Mercedes-Benz edition, and talk about next up. But first, let's talk about our top takeaways from the dogs' disappointing 27-24 loss to the Tide. Jarvis, you said the game changer was the entire first half. Yeah, when you think about, like, one of the things that I kind of go back to, one of the discussions that we had on the Atlanta football party, when, like, my reservations that I did have in this game, you know, was the fact that, you know, C.J. Allen and Schmel Munden, who just got thrown into that situation, and Raylan Wilson, all that linebacker core, it seemed like, uh, I was talking with one of the guys on, on Twitter, who um who's a Georgia Tech alum, who played ball at Georgia Tech, and... And we were talking about how, like, what Alabama did in that in those first couple of drives was, was very similar to what Georgia Tech, you know, mm-hmm. did against against the Georgia Bulldogs. Was is a lot of pre snap motion, a lot of movement, a lot of guesswork. If you got young linebackers, and that's exactly what the uh, the Bulldogs have with Jamon Dumas Johnson still still mm-hmm. being out. So those guys got tested time and time again. You just saw. With, with the call quarterback runs with Jalen Milrow, that was a problem. That was an issue in the first half, and I feel like that was part of the reason why the Bama was able to take, kind of take over in, in that first half of the game. Outside of that that first drive for the for the Bulldogs, that offense went quiet. So that uh, Bama offense had no pressure to to try to get scores and try to get things done. They were able to kind of just methodically just move the ball down the football field and, and run the ball against that defense and, and have those linebackers continue to guess time and time again. And we saw how, you know, Isaiah guys like Isaiah Bond and Jermaine Burton, who was a former dog as well, was out there just out there just getting it in, doing what they were supposed to do. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, to piggyback on that, we talked a lot about the injury piece and whether or not that was going to harm. And most of the conversation had been about Brock Bowers and how close was he to 100%. Most of the conversation had been about Lab McConkey and how close he was to 100% and the likelihood that Rara Thomas wasn't going to go. Not as much conversation about what was going to happen in the absence of JDJ. And that tend, seemed to loom larger than anything for this game. Yeah. I mean, because when you think about like the veteran leadership and and what goes into like that, that second level yes. of defense. Right. Like you need that veteran type presence there because Smell Munden looked like he was, you know, he was a little he was lost out there as well. So because he was getting fooled and you saw like on the pick play when, yes. and when they threw that through the uh, round, it ran into the touchdown with Isaiah Bond and then. 
there's just so many moments that, you know, you just look at this game and you just say, okay, all right, Tommy Reese kind of understands. Like, that's why I'll talk about, I tweeted this out during the game. That's what's the beauty of watching film comes into play. Because when teams find different weaknesses or different uh, soft spots in your in your defense, mm-hmm. it gets put out on tape. And yes. if they're able to execute it and actually expose you, that leaves you, you, you leave those, those wounds are still open. Mm-hmm. Because especially when you're talking about, you know, uh, a, a team like Alabama and Nick Saban and, and, and a young offensive coordinator in Tommy Reese who has that offense has been on a nice little run since they yeah. figured out, hey, Jalen Miro is their best option at quarterback. Mm-hmm. When they gave him the confidence, say, hey, you're our guy going forward. You got to worry about it. So I think that when you put those type of things out there on tape, you got to be ready to stop that or execute or be expected to see it again. And I just yeah. don't think that that, that uh, this, this Georgia Bulldogs defense was ready for it because Bama took advantage of them time and time again. Yeah, and it's interesting to mention that because I can remember people talking about it, even watching Georgia. And we know that Georgia Georgia Tech didn't show all of Georgia's weapons, right? We know that that was right. the game where they kind of had to make the call on if guys aren't 100%, heck, probably they weren't even 70%, we're not trotting them out there because we think we can win this game and kind of save our guys for uh, for, for the, the SEC championship. But to your point, and no offense to Georgia Tech, by the way, but – Georgia Tech had the scheme, but didn't necessarily have the players to be able to execute the scheme for a full 60 minutes. Alabama had the players to execute the scheme, to execute exactly. They showed Alabama, not that Nick Saban and company needed to know what to do, but to your point, Jarvis, they actually showed the blueprint of how to get at, how to neutralize this this high-powered offense and then Alabama says, okay, well, we got the guns to be able to do it. And we got the guns to be able to do it for 60 minutes. And that's why you see a 27-24 loss because it was never going to, in my opinion, this was something I said on uh, air, just even talking with friends as well. I never felt like Alabama was going to blow out and win this game. I always felt like if Alabama was going to win it, they were going to edge Georgia out in some, you know, one or two little spaces of which we've mentioned the primary space, which is their linebacker core was there for everything that Georgia Tech's linebacker core was there for, but able to execute uh, for the fullness of the game. And the other piece there is this, which is part of my takeaway. And that is you're able to do that because, well, the boogeyman, he's still kind of haunting you. There was a, a, headline that we saw earlier in the week that we talked about on Locked on Bulldogs, the Atlanta football party uh, part two, as we like to call it, right? And Mm -hmm. what we said was that headline said, he's still the boogeyman. And I thought we all said, eh, no, we're we're past that. We're over it. But on some level, Jarvis, this felt like this was a boogeyman game because everywhere that Nick, excuse me, everywhere that Kirby Smart was, it was almost like Nick Saban was there like the boogeyman right behind you saying, you have to, because anytime you take a run game and a running back core that sees Kendall Milton at his peak, right? He's finally at 100%, if you will. And granted, a couple of touchdowns from Kendall Milton, really, that's what you see in the 24 points that Georgia did score. However, you also see a combined 78 yards from this running back core. And this is a team that when it went up against the then number nine team in the nation in Ole Miss, three 
100 yards on the ground of total offense, but you managed to keep them under 100. So, yeah, it felt like to me in areas that you just mentioned, you mentioned the linebacker core, I'm mentioning the rushing core, the running back room. Yeah, the boogeyman, he's still kind of there, Jarvis. He's still kind of there. And, and what we're not used to seeing, we, we started to see – the, the 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 fronts right the defensive and offensive lines Alabama won that like yeah consistently yes like, yes. We'll, like I, I we haven't seen Carson Beck under I wouldn't say he was under duress but he right. said a, a lot more pressure than you've seen all year he was moving not because he wanted to you know maybe be able to create a lane and try to throw the football down the field he was moving because he was about to get sacked and he did yes. get put on the ground and you saw that uh, guys like Dallas Turner like really show why he's going to be a first round draft pick whenever he decides to go into the NFL. So, and we're just not used to seeing that on, yeah. on, on, on every Saturday, right? Because we understand what Georgia has. We understand the the, the chess pieces like you talked about, you know, um, that they have and are able to, that are bringing to the table. I just feel like this ultimately came down to Alabama had a game plan. Yep. And they rolled that bad boy out, and they were able to execute a yes. lot better than Georgia did, and that's yep. and that's what ended up happening in this game. And I think that a lot of people have to kind of just come to that conclusion. Don't don't talk about the referees and yeah, yeah. all that, none of that stuff. I mean, I, there was some questionable calls for sure, but yeah. like Alabama, the boogeyman, the boogeyman showed up, and he yeah. showed out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, tonight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He stays living free, rent free in the heads of uh, the Georgia faithful. So, and like you said, 243 yards, 21 receptions. You would think that that would be the recipe for success. But again, we talk about this with the Falcons oftentimes with their defense, a bend don't break type of defense. And Alabama did that. I mean, they bend it here and there. That's how you get 24 points but they didn't break. That's how you lose the game. We're going to talk about it a little bit more in the next segment when we go between the hedges, Mercedes-Benz Stadium style in a second. But first, I am here to tell you guys about FanDuel. So, you know, we are still in the midst of an interesting NFL season. In fact, this is supposed to be a really, really good weekend of critical, critical matchups for the NFL. And that's why this is a perfect time for you to get acclimated and get with it with FanDuel. Score early this NFL season if you have already, but if you haven't, this is the perfect time for you to continue to score on the backside of the season because it's America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. It's $150 in the middle of the holiday season when you probably have gifts that you still need to get. But of course, that is only if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. It's very user-friendly. The app is so very easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on throughout the NFL season. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on because FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. All right, Jarvis, we're going to go between the hedges, Mercedes-Benz style. Now, we always knew this was potentially going to be a game of adjustments, right? Chestnut checkers, as always, with Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. 
Now, Georgia did make some adjustments at halftime to be able to speed up Jalen Milrose's clock because that's kind of how you can slow him down. But ultimately speaking, on that last scoring drive, somehow, someway, Alabama figured it out. Something changed, Jarvis. What did you see on their last scoring drive? It was something that I thought that was kind of weird, to be honest with you, because, you know, Alabama was moving the ball up and down the field pretty easily, right? And then you started to see Glenn Schumann said, hey, what if we sent a little pressure off the edge? What if we try to send pressure, you know, from the cornerback spot or the second or third level, you know, to to be able to speed up his clock? Because we know that Jalen Miro is statistically, and you can see it too, he holds on to the football. He actually yes. holds on to the football probably more than any quarterback in the country that qualifies yeah. for this stat. The only one who like, holds on to it longer than he does. Yeah, yeah, he holds on to the football. And when you rush four, and we know that I've been, you know, me, I've been begging for a pass rusher to step up and be that consistent guy on third and long all season. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we, and from time to time, we've seen it, but we did not see that tonight. And I think that when you don't have a guy that's doing that for you, now we saw Jalen Walker do a little bit. I get, I, I give Jalen Walker a little bit of credit. He was, he was, he was, he was, he was, he was getting after it. But mm-hmm. when you, there's a situation when the game is on the line and you can't afford to give up a touchdown, like you yeah. can't give, you can't give up a touchdown because yeah. essentially that that would put um, put the put the nail in the coffin. So, yeah, I just thought he just started to rush four. Yeah. Consistently rush four. And then Jalen Murrow, they were, oh, yeah, he's hitting his check downs. Yeah, four or five seconds in. Like, oh, oh, I got somebody. Oh, Isaiah Bunn over here in the flat. Okay, let me throw it over there. Not mm-hmm. like, hey, one, two, three. Oh, my, that's not there. That's not there. That's not there. Let me check it down. It wasn't right. that. It was like, hmm, hmm, hmm. Oh, yeah, he's not open. He's not, uh, okay, all right. Uh, uh, oh, let me, let me, let me um, hit the uh, running back in the flat. No, that's mm-hmm. how it was. And yeah. you just can't do that because at the end of the day, Let's you know that hey, the secondary is doing their job for the most part, but you can't can't have those guys. You can't have him just sitting back there just waiting because that's what he yeah. wants to do. He wants to mm-hmm. try to find find a big play and, and, and throw the football down the field. And I think that Glenn Schumann failed. He failed. He failed. He failed his team. I think he yeah. failed his team in it, like right. in the fourth quarter. Yeah, because you look at this, you know, you look at that particular drive, nine plays, 75 yards. And the other thing is four and a half minutes. Like my thought too was my God, you just wearing this poor, you know, Georgia defense, this dog's defense down. Cause they just stayed on the field, but yeah, you got a first and 10 at the Alabama 25 mill pass complete to Isaiah bond for what? 21 yards, Alabama first down. You go a couple plays later, Milro pass complete to who? Bond for 12 yards to the UGA 33 for what? Another first down. And then mm-hmm. again, third and two, Real great opportunity for you at the UGA 25 to hold this team to a field goal and keep this game within reach. And once again, Milrow to Bond, 13 yards, UGA 12, first down. And you know what happens after that. So, yeah, you you get into a situation where you've got to look, like you said, it wasn't even, no, it wasn't a check down, not even close to a check down. No, his offensive line, which it's actually been a much maligned offensive line, especially relatively speaking in comparison. Like it at night. It looked like what we were accustomed to in the UGA O line and the time that they typically give Carson back, right? Right. That's exactly. what we saw. Yeah. And so that was kind of a, a head scratcher as well, because to your point, in those moments, when you look back, 
within the game and you see where some of your schemes were working to not have those four up front, well, then go back to that. Go back to that. In-game adjustments are perfectly okay when you know it worked for you. You've seen it work. It's not like you're, you know, tossing something out there new late in the game and then telling your guys to execute it. And so, yeah, that was kind of confusing as well. It was almost like, Jarvis, I don't want to say this because I think it's one of those cliches, but I kind of felt it in spirit that it, it had a feel of bend but don't break, um, that kind of thing. Uh, not bend but don't break. What's the other one? Oh, play not to lose. Yeah. It didn't. It felt like Alabama just kept playing the win, even though they were still scrappy with it and they were still scraping. It wasn't like they were pulling away by two and three touchdowns, but it also felt like they were more of like, we know that we're going to have to go hard and we're in order for us to win. And that's just like what we saw from Carson Beck for most of this game. When you looked at Carson Beck, he really didn't have as much time as he typically has, relatively speaking, compared to what we saw Jalen Milrow have and his receivers. Couldn't get the separation. And granted, I don't want to not acknowledge the injuries. They yeah. they were what they were. So I'm not yeah. going to say that Brock Bowers was the Brock Bowers, nor would I say Lab McConkie was the Lab McConkie. And Ra Thomas was missing. Let's just keep it real. Ra yeah. Thomas was missing. But I will ask you this, and we didn't we didn't really talk about this ahead of the game uh, or, or ahead of the show, but I have a couple questions for you on that as well. Because mm-hmm. this is a team in Georgia that also has a really good run receiving core that's able to catch the ball. And so right. if, you know, I felt like, okay, there were moments in time where I was like, well, I'm trying to understand if you know that you're, you're normal receivers. And, you know, granted, and I'm looking at Aaron Smith. One, one reception, one catch for 51 yards. What happened there? You know? Dewan Edwards, you throw it to him just two times. That's those are some of the things that I wanted to ask you that I, I we didn't talk about in pre uh pre-production, but I know that you have thoughts on so, so for me, the whole Arian Smith piece is is interesting, right? Because yes. I, I feel like there you gotta come to some conclusion or some some at some point you gotta say uh let's, let's throw Lad McConkey out there. You gotta say the player for himself. You know he's not right. You know he's not fully ready to yes. go. Yes. But you have not saying that Aaron Smith is that guy, right? But mm-hmm. he was able to make a play for you, and you didn't go to him again. Mm-hmm. And I really felt like that was the only time that you really tried that, that those corners on the outside. Now, granted, the secondary for Alabama is pretty doggone solid. Right. Um, and you know when McKinstry came out, I think I can't remember the uh, the cornerback's name, number nine. He played solid in in, in uh, McKinstry's uh, uh, absence, mm-hmm. but like you have guys who can make plays for you, and you didn't yeah. go back to him. And yeah. I think that there were a lot of times where early on in the game, before the came, the game was kind of pretty much determined, you know, mm-hmm. but George still was in it. Yeah, even in, in the beginning, in the first half, it was just like these guys were, the linebackers were like coming downhill before the ball was even snapped. See, it was just like, yeah. man, like you gotta, you stand your offensive line up to get beat yep. when you do stuff like that. Like, you have to throw the ball, you have to switch it up. You got to throw yeah. the football on first down, or second down, or yep. in, in run situations. The only time you really mm-hmm. did that was when you got the uh, score, the um, when you scored, um, oh, oh gosh, when you scored your last touchdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was like it was third and four, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And you went play action and then they end up getting yes. a penalty. 
I'm just like, that's the type of stuff that you need to do. Yeah. Being aggressive. They yes. talked about on the broadcast, like good things happen when you're aggressive in these type of games. You, you yeah. can't be conservative. Like Lynn Schumann going playing coverage, rushing four men. Like that hasn't mm-hmm. worked for you all night. Why are you doing Why that? Yeah. Like, come on, man. The man wants to be able, the man is going to stand plays already, and you know you weren't getting there. Mm-hmm. So it's just those type of things. And offensively, yeah. like, you're being, you know, you're being obvious, you know, you're being obvious. Like, you can't be obvious against a team like Alabama. They're going to take advantage of you every time. Like, I just, I just don't, haven't seen anything like that where, like you got yeah. linebackers, so you just know they're coming. You know they're yeah. going to run blitzes, and yep. you're just sitting there, just allowing them to just to tee off on y'all yeah. linemen. Yeah. They're just blowing plays up. So yeah, it, yeah, I feel like there was some some adjustments made, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the in the right way. But yes. I just feel like they didn't just continue to do that because the Aaron Smith right. kind of came out of nowhere. 51 yards, you connect, boom. All right, cool. Let's go. Let's get it going. Mm-hmm. And you don't go back to him? Like, that just – you just yeah. can't – that's not that's unacceptable in a game like that. Right. And you can is, do that, but not against Alabama. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was thinking as well because one of the things that has been a topic of conversation this entire season – and of course, it dissipated as the season wore on, but it was the conversation about Mike Bobo and his play yeah. calling. And it was definitely suspect in the beginning. It felt conservative. It felt vanilla. It felt predictable. And I can't believe, and I think Jarvis, we were talking about this pre-game, like there were just moments or pre-show, there were moments where I was saying to myself, I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it, but something just does not feel right about how this game is playing out, how this game is being called. And I right. finally figured out the word I want to use. They were tight. Everybody played tight on the Georgia. Everybody played tight. Everybody schemed tight. Everything was tight on the Georgia sidelines. I felt like with Alabama, they were loose because they were like, yeah, we got to play. Like, we got we got to go for broke because we know, exactly, because we know the only way that we have a fighting chance to get into the college football playoffs is to win this game. Georgia, it just felt almost like they were kind of tight and saying, like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Like they just didn't know. It was almost like they lost their way. Like they lost their identity of being that aggressive team, which typically they're the ones on their heels on the opening drive. And then they're like, Oh, okay. Well, a team just scored on us. Guess we better go on and just march up and down the field. And you just didn't see that in, to me, you didn't see that enough in Georgia feeling like they were the ones that should be the aggressor. Feel like you're the underdog. You should have played like you were the underdog as opposed to, playing like well we're the number one team it was almost like they were overthinking it it was like it was too conservative there were just a number of things where i feel like jarvis they're going to say they left a lot more on the table that this game was more than winnable even down in the to the last five minutes 47 seconds which is when you saw them pull pull into position to win the game and then it just never came came together but listen it was still just a 27-24 loss. So Jarvis and I are going to talk about what that might mean to Georgia's slim hopes to get into the college football playoff. But before we do, Jarvis is going to put you up on game on subtext. Folks, listen up. Let me tell you something really quickly. I want to let you know about joinsubtext.com slash locked on sports Atlanta. Joinsubtext.com slash locked on sports Atlanta. That's what the website you need to go to if you want to come to Locked On Sports Atlanta Insider. It's real simple, guys. It's a two-week trial. Um, you're going to get um, breaking news, uh, 
uh, football breakdown, tw- all 22 breakdown, everything you want, right sent directly to your phone. And you can text back and forth with me, myself. You know, I even, might even get Tanisha on there one time, you know, every now and then. You know, you never know. You know, she don't know, but you never know. She might be on there as well. So, yeah, go to joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Sports Atlanta. If you want to come, Locked On Sports Atlanta Insider today. And also, guys, make sure after you leave this Locked On Bulldogs postcast, check out the Locked On Bulldogs podcast. Those guys are ready to rock with instant reaction as far as what's going on with the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, I'd be chuckling on that one, Jarvis. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, maybe, possibly. <laughs> it's a possibility. You never know. <laughs> there's a chance. Maybe. Anyway, speaking of saying there's a chance, last night, Washington said, no, there's no chance, Oregon. You're not going. We're going. 34-31 was the final of the Pac-12 championship. Washington punched their ticket. Texas beats Oklahoma State, throttles them 49-21 to earlier today. And now, of course, we've got Michigan. That was a seven on seven scrimmage, by the way, T. I just had to make sure. I, that was a seven on seven. I don't I know, that wasn't eleven on eleven football. That was, right that was, that was yeah. just a scrimmage. You are absolutely. That was awful. Right. Yes. <laughs> Wasting my time. Right. And so, of course, we're going to kind of go with a couple scenarios. We're going to run by you guys because we are a live postcast right after the Georgia game, which means that Michigan and Iowa are knee-deep in trying to figure out who's going to come out of the Big Ten. And, of course, Florida State and Louisville are knee-deep in who's going to come out of the ACC, potentially. But that said, yes, Alabama sealed that win over Georgia. And, yes, I think, what has it been now, uh, 11 straight games that they won. But does an SEC team get into the college football playoffs over another team? And, Jarvis, I want to go back to something that um, was posted by – and actually, the question was asked in the postgame presser, right? And several of our colleagues in and around the city have actually posted this quote, and I'm kind of looking for it right now. But essentially, what Kirby Smart said was this. Mm-hmm. Bill Hancock, who, of course, is the college football playoff chairman, said that the best, the most deserving teams don't go to the college football playoffs. The four best teams, the four top teams go to the college football playoffs. So if this, if this is not one of the best four teams in the country, basically, I don't know who is. He was made, basically making the statement that, hey, yes, I know my team just lost to Alabama, but find four teams better than this team, this Georgia Bulldogs team. Jarvis, let the conversation and the jockeying begin. Um, when you think about let let me just say this: we know Washington is in. Yes. They've proved time and time again they beat a team like Oregon twice. Yes. You know, yes, they need to be. They they are in. The Pac-12 yes. champion is in finally. <laughs> so, <Never>. uh, <laughs> and, and I think it was the last Pac-12 champions uh, that were in. Was it 2016? Is crazy. It's been a minute, or maybe yeah, it's it been a little while. Yeah, it's, it's been a little while because I don't know that. Yeah, they've been. Yeah, so. And I said overall that. This year is a little weird because in the past with the college football playoff, we've been able to eliminate whatever conference champion, fill in the blank conference champion. Like we've been able to eliminate the Big 12, maybe three or four games into the season. Yes. The Pac-12 <laughs> champion, we've been able to, hey, I don't care who win that, that, that uh, conference. They boys mm-hmm. ain't getting in the college football playoff because yeah. that conference is just whack, right? You know, right. 
But this year's different. It's been different. Like, you know, we had Florida State. They've been on their run all year. You got uh, um, UW. Have their, they've been on their run. They proved that they, they belong and they're in. And then you had uh, uh, the Texas who beat Alabama in their crib at the yeah. house, you know. And that doesn't happen. You know, Nick Saban doesn't lose in Tuscaloosa. And, you know, they end up, you know, trying to make a statement, you know, against that you know, a junior high team that they played against earlier today. So it it's just it's just a, a interesting situation. And to to Kirby's point, like how you gonna be the best team, you know, in the in the, in the country? I know a lot of people didn't want to try to didn't want to admit that, or they try to put Michigan or Ohio State in there, which I never agree with. Like I feel like you put Georgia. Uh, up against either one of those teams on a neutral site, they're going to spank that behind. Yes. Uh, I, I wholeheartedly believe that. Mm-hmm. So it's it just hard for me to fathom uh, the number one seed losing an SEC championship to a team like Alabama, mm-hmm. and you don't even consider them being in a playoff, a uh, college football playoff. And I even got to the point where I come to the resolve that, you know, Alabama probably – you can make a case for them not getting in too because they're gonna jump Texas. <laughs> you know, are they gonna jump Texas? You know, so those it's just so many things that that scenarios that come into play this year specifically. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like we haven't had this many conferences with good cases to get in. The conference champion with a good cases to get in. And I feel like I don't see two teams from the same conference getting in. I understand what yeah. Bill Hancock's saying. Right. And I agree with them. Like, yeah, it should be the four best teams. And I feel like Georgia is one of them. You know, ask me to rank them. I don't care about that. I know right. they should be one of the four. But I, I think this year we're going to see a little – we're going to see something different. Yeah. What do you think we'll see? Wow. Um, I'm, assume, I'm going to go ahead and assume that Michigan is going to win. So that's one. Mm-hmm. Uh, UW, like I mentioned. Yes. I feel like Texas will get, will get in. And if Florida mm-hmm. State wins, they're going to get in. Yeah, it's gonna be hard not to. Yeah, it's gonna be hard to take them out, you know, because yeah. you're gonna be like, oh my god, y'all just doing that because Jordan Travis is hurt. No, well, no, y'all can have Georgia, Jordan Travis, and I feel like y'all still aren't the best team in one of the best four best teams in in, yeah. in the country. So, but yeah, I, those are my four. That's that's who I feel this in. Yeah, and I feel like unfortunately the way that Georgia was treated the entire season or the entirety of the college football playoff rankings may have been a telltale sign of, Hey, you're going to have to fight your way in. Like you're literally going to have to be number one and stay number one to get in because you get the first college football playoff ranking. George is not number one. George is not number one. And so that kind of was, it felt like a telltale for a reason. Yeah. There it is. There it is. It felt like a telltale sign of that committee saying you're going to have to prove yourself week in and week out in order for us to let you in. But if you ever give us a reason to not get in there, we'll take it. That's the and and for me, that's the reason why I don't know that there is really a path there for Georgia, especially if Michigan wins tonight, which we assume that they will, and especially more so maybe even if Florida State wins. Their best hope is for Florida State to lose, and then it becomes a serious, serious conversation, commentary, debate, whatever you want to call it. But as it stands right now, you could make the argument that the best team in the country will not even get a crack at the third championship in a row. Yeah. 
And, and that's truly unfortunate, right? Yeah. Because, like, I, I really, like, we even talked about this, um, I think it was yesterday, uh, just about how I enjoy watching this team play. Yes. That's why it's kind of lost. I mean, and I never, and I'll go ahead and admit this, like, y'all know me, I'm not necessarily the biggest, I'm not even a Georgia Bulldog fan. I just mm-hmm. enjoy watching them play football because yes. of the caliber of coaching that they have mm-hmm. and the, uh, the caliber of players that they, they put mm-hmm. on the field each and every Saturday. And for them not to have an opportunity to play for another chip, it's unfortunate. It's kind of yes. disappointing. Yes. You know, I know they've done so much. You know, the 29-game winning streak and going a no in the SEC for three consecutive years. Like, that is a big freaking deal. Yeah. But yeah, this is a little disappointing because the playoffs is the playoffs. Like, yeah. and those rings, those chunk mean something. Like that's what yeah. we used to call them. Like, hey man, get you a chunk. If you <laughs> got those chunk, man, that is ah, it feel like you're it's all for not. Like, yeah. <laughs> but it, but because you don't take time out to reflect until right. the season is over with. And if mm-hmm. the season's over with before you got that choking uh, on your on your on your on your ring finger. It feel like it's just, it's just just you feel empty. You just feel yeah. empty inside, and, that, and that's true, and that sucks. But yeah, yeah. I think you'll, yeah, yeah. you feel like to me, you always wonder what could have been. You'll always look at the two teams before you and say that the team that lost one game to Alabama came back and redeemed itself. The team that the next year won up that undefeated defense for the ages. And if you don't make the college football playoff, you become the team that essentially was responsible for Georgia not making history. But again, that's why it's it would have been history because it is very, very difficult. It is that difficult to three-peat or even get in position to three-peat. And Jarvis, honestly, that's not just in college football. That's anywhere. A three-peat, putting together a campaign three seasons in a row to say we are the best in this particular sport is very difficult. But we will see what happens. We definitely appreciate you guys for stopping by the Lockdown Bulldogs postcast. Your home for the best dogs talk. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And of course, we'll see you tomorrow on the Locked On Falcons postcast. Till then.